What's going on, guys? AJ here, back again, bringing you yet another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. I want to talk about putting employees first as it pertains to a leadership development programs. Now, a lot of organizations are putting together leadership development programs. A lot of the uh, the current focus of this podcast and a lot of the listeners of this podcast are startups and high growth startups and organizations and small businesses. And so you guys should be either A, putting a major focus for the very first time on leadership development programs, or B, you should be fine tuning and adjusting and making those leadership development programs more contextual to an E1B2 methodology, putting employees first and making sure your leaders understand the values and the core um, and the core pillars and frameworks of putting employees first and what that looks like tangibly um, contextual to their leadership responsibilities. And so I want to talk about directly, though, today, ways that are just not obvious to uh, to track the success and to measure uh, the, the impact of your leadership development program. So let's say uh, over the course of and this is the thing over the course of every every once a month. Over the, over the course of 12 months, right? Because a leadership development program should be an ongoing, uh, an ongoing, what's the word I'm trying to find? It should be an ongoing task. Let me just keep it simple here. I'm trying to get fancy. It should be an ongoing task. Uh, I'm not a fan of one-off keynotes, one-off fireside chats, one-off all-hands meetings, six-week trainings. I'm not a fan of those things. I'm a fan of Every month, every other week, every other, every other, every other month, whatever, however you want to do it, however you can, um, however you can contextualize it into the day-to-day responsibilities of your manager, because at the end of the day, um, you do have to make sure your manager are also doing things that are, um, going to hit the bottom line in the short term. And I respect that and I understand that I have empathy for that, but the, uh, the, the, the development plan should be continuous and forever and always in my personal opinion um it's something that i am trying to walk the walk and talk the talk around um i am a leader of uh of people i am a leader of thought and everything that i do i uh i try to develop and practice on daily so a uh, minimum of 45 minutes maximum of three four hours of studying of development of of checking myself uh occurs Every single day, every single day of my life, uh, it's areas that I'm trying to grow. It's areas where I'm trying to develop. And I believe if you are going to have the title and the responsibility of a leader inside of any size organization, that should be the you should be bringing the same level of um, of energy and autonomy and and not autonomy, the same level of energy and focus when it comes to you know, the development. And so that's on that's on the brand, that's on the CEO, that's on the head of people to uh, mandate that to put that in place. Moving past that, um, how do you measure it though? How do you measure the seven months of continuous training is actually working? Uh, I want to talk about this from an E1 methodology, an employee's first lens. So the very first thing, NPS scores from active employees, rating how much, rating how much they would recommend um, being led by their direct report to a colleague or a family member, reasons why and reasons why not. I believe that's a really good, really good tell. I believe, you know, putting together a framework around an NPS type score, very similar to the ways that um, um, the ways that uh, the kids these days in college go on rate my professor and they see a lot of feedback. I believe there's systems and, and structures that you can create inside of an organization 
that does exactly that. Um, and I don't think this is rocket science, and I'm quite sure organizations are doing it, but I'm quite sure a lot of startups listening right now are not doing it. So why is this important? I believe active employees that would recommend, that would recommend fellow colleagues and family members to be led by their direct report, and they provide two to three to four reasons why, I believe there's something there. I believe you look at those three to four to five reasons and you put a little bit more gasoline, a little bit more flames, a little bit more pressure on those areas and make more of it. Expand upon that. Use that as more of your development, right? I'm a big fan of taking what's working and doing more of it, not necessarily focusing on what's bad and trying to fix those. And so if you do see a trend in areas where you do have great managers, you do have great folks doing a lot of great things. Thus, an employee would recommend being led by uh, their direct report to a family member, uh, a, a friend, uh, a fellow colleague. I believe you want to improve on that. Now, the reasons of why not, you want to take those and you really want to unpack those. You want to see what that looks like. And for me, over the course of time, when I really say track and hold accountable, if you consistently start to see certain managers are having very low MPS scores, there's conversations that conversations that need to be had. And I don't want to bring this up again, but I will bring this up again. The head of people should have the bandwidth, should have the power to remove someone from the organization for having a consistent effort or consistent track of uh, low MPS scores and low contextual reasons connected to those MPS scores. And listen, I'm a big fan and you guys know, um, we give people third, fourth, fifth, six, seven, eight, nine chances out here, right? Like uh, I'm not saying that one low MPS score, one bad review, one bad insight, one bad thought is going to uh, get someone removed out of the company, but I am tired of seeing organizations that have great tactical, great black and white, great financially driving leaders inside of an organization. And then there's not enough accountability being held for folks that are having, for example, if you have this in place, low MPS scores and uh, no one would recommend working with them because how are you going to scale your organization? If you have four or if you have four managers inside of your organization where their direct reports, let's say you have eight each, right? I'm bad at math. That may be 32. So you have 32 employees that no one would recommend a friend, family or colleague to work for. How the, f I almost cursed there but I'm going to do it. How the fuck would you recommend? How, how the fuck would your, would your, would your organization scale? I, I'm, I'm confused around that. I'm con and when I say scale, I don't mean just scale financially. I mean, scale and team size. I mean, scale and just overall uh, just scale. Like, how do you scale? How do you, how do you recommend and have those leaders develop other leaders underneath of them to be better and be more efficient? Than how do you even have that? How are you even, how are you, how are you even comfortable with that. So that's just one thing of how I would track it. Another way I would track it is psychological safety and how that translates to um, employee slash division productivity. So for me, I would be getting feedback from direct reports around how safe they feel, bringing up new ideas, issues, concerns, and how that may be affecting their overall ability to perform and be productive. And so what I would do, frankly, and this is a little bit of a nuance and an out of the box one, I would find some of the employees, AKA direct reports that are uh, not performing well right now, that may be on the cusp in your eyes of saying, you know what, maybe they're not a good fit here. I would dive in deeper. And if we could remove home life, if we could remove um, 
a desire to move to a different industry, if we could remove a lack of an ability as three reasons of why they're not being productive, if we could remove those three and then be and potentially, potentially be left with, I feel a lack of psychological safety. I feel lack of, you know, going to my, my direct report and looking for help and guidance in these areas. You know, I feel like my new ideas are not being heard. I feel like my issues and my concerns are not being addressed. I feel like I don't feel safe enough to bring up new concerns and issues within my own scope of my role. Thus, when I make mistakes, I I, I freak like all those things that makes things very, very, very slow and not productive. And if we can measure, um, um, track those out and measure those out and figure out those metrics around that, that's a problem. And again, this calls for training and development and putting pressure on those leaders to get better. And then inevitably it calls for folks to get removed from the organization because that is not, not, this is not a good thing because I don't, I didn't just say, if you notice, I didn't just say psychological safety at, for, at the human level, though. I think that's incredibly important. I said psychological safety that translates to employee and or division productivity. So you have an entire division of employees of direct reports that have no psychological safety. Meaning they are not comfortable bringing up new ideas. They are not comfortable um, identifying and raising their hand and saying, hey, there's an, here's a bug here. There's an issue here. This consumer, this customer said this and that, and there's a trend here. If they're not comfortable bringing up new concerns, that's there's a lack of productivity. That means there's a lack and there's a chink in the chain. If there's a chink in the chain, that means money's being lost somewhere. Number one. Number two, that means we have potentially very competent individuals that potentially are consistently being frustrated within their roles, consistently being scrutinized. Thus, their energy and their confidence is being consistently brought down. Thus, they may have a desire to leave the org. So that means now we have retention issues. Potentially. It might have some new higher churn. And then also, this may be bleeding over to others, right? Other folks that are actually competent, that are actually well um, um just really great high-level employees. They may be seeing this and they may be heroic and superhero-like and they be and they may come to the rescue of those folks and say, even though this isn't happening to me, I don't want to be a part of an organization where I see this happening to others. And so they may leave as well. So now you not only have a retention issue of potentially not productive employees, now you have a retention issue of very productive employees. Now you have a poor employer branding initiative on your hands. So a lot of these things can trickle down. It can be very impactful issues that a lot of folks need to recognize and respect and understand. And so these are just a few areas of how I would track and I would measure and I would keep an eye on the developments post a leadership development training. Just one man's thought, one man's point of view. I think it's effective. I think it puts employees first and I think it's a little bit more nuanced. And so I think a lot of the traditional ways that you can track if a leader is being productive are very vital. But I think a couple of the things that I mentioned here are a little bit more employee first centric, a little bit more employees first driven, a little bit more empathetic, but also can be tracked and correlated to the bottom line and the overall productivity of an org in a department. Thanks a lot, guys.